the optimal life. DC. DC, the yes, Brain sir. Supreme. How are you today? I'm wonderful, man. How are you doing? Good, good. So how how did you come up with the name The Brain Supreme? And I think when I was like 18, 19, we were in the basement of this grocery store, our friend owned a grocery store. And we were down there doing what young dudes do, smoking and drinking. And uh, just talking and trying to figure things out, I guess. And a um, cat named Roy Lee was like, man, I'm going to call you the brain. The brain supreme. Because you're just, just always figuring stuff out, right? And it stuck. Mm. And I just, I'm different, man. I think differently. I I just think differently, right? And it serves me well. And it's the reason I'm successful, you know, because I'm willing to put in the work and I just love to learn, right? So um, that was my rap name, DC the Brain Supreme of Tag Team. And just, you know, it stuck. Yeah, it's a cool name. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's almost like Steve got the short end of the stick. Nah, but you know, everybody picks their name, you know what I mean? So he's Steve Rowland, and I'm DC the Brand Supreme. So <laughs> all good. When you say you think differently, what exactly does that mean? Well, I don't know, it's hard to explain. All I can do is just give you examples, because... Um, Please do. I don't know, I choose to look at... I always choose to look at the glass half... Um, full as opposed to half empty right mm. and that's one of you know those these are my tactics right and there's always people going to tell you you can't do something there's always people that are going to criticize you there's always going to be people that throw you shade there's always going to be people that you know don't want you to succeed and for me I've turned that into fuel right so I just I just know that there, in my mind, there's nothing I can't do. It's up to me to put in the work, right? And because of my parents, because they worked me like a dog when I was a kid, you know, I've been stemming collard greens and shucking black eyed peas since I was five years old, right? And had a paper route, worked at an ice cream store, worked at an AV department at a university. This is all before I was 14 years old, right? And as a grown man, I don't fear work. Mm. There's nothing that I won't pin my ears back. And let's just get to it and get after it. You feel like a lot so, of people in society, yeah. today, a, lot, a lot of people coming up, especially now, uh, the millennial generation and even whatever the next one is after them, because millennials are probably going to be extinct soon too. So these kids that are coming up today, you feel that when you say you think differently and you're not af afraid of work, you're implying that a lot of people actually do fear work and they don't want to work hard no I'm not implying that I'm just I can just speak for me I know that you know this is the question I ask people you know when people come to me with problems when people come to me explain you know complaining when people come to me excuses I'm like well what's the solution and they're like what I'm like well what's the solution and they're so busy in just just riffing on their problems they haven't even thought about the solution and I just mm. ask people what do you want right what do you want 
And when I ask that question of people, they can't even tell me. Right. They like, like to sit there. There's person you don't know what you want. Yeah. Right. And I have just always known what I wanted. And if there is something new that I want, I will do whatever I got to to learn how to achieve it. They're sitting so, there and admiring the problem. Mm-hmm. Admiring the problem. Exactly. Um, and, you know, life is baked into the cake. I learned that early. So life is going to throw everything it has at you. And you can't worry about that. But when you have those traumatic experiences, you have to take opportunities to vow to yourself that those experience, those mistakes, those uh, missed opportunities will never happen again. Because we do often have self-inflicted wounds in our lives. But the key is to recognize that, you know, it's not over. You can correct all that. And I've just been able to do that in ways that have served me my whole life. And I just think differently. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. I play offense, right? That's it. It's plain and simple. And, you know, I talk to people all the time. They're like, what are you doing when you're depressed? What do you do? If, you know, when you fear stuff, how do you jump from thing to thing? And it's like, well do two things at once you can be scared and keep it moving mm. be depressed and keep it moving you can be lazy and keep it moving right and what do they say the the difference between good and great is that you know most people will stop at something but if you want to be great you do it anyway and i just every chance i get i try to do things anyway well i find and yeah I, I, it just comes back to serve me in ways that 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 are fruitful and the key to it all for me is keep out of your feelings keep out of your emotions you know i've learned to take any negative adjective hate envy fear disgust despair loathing all of those and the key is not to react to it right because when you react to it in the moment then it lingers but if you just stop put it in your pocket it eventually turns into positive energy that you can use for later and that's how I just do things man I, I don't I try not to react and give it 10 minutes and you forgot that it even happened to you right but you don't forget that it happens to you because there will come a new experience where you've hashed out that and you've been through it therefore you know how to deal with it because you're not in your emotions your mind is truly open right so for me i love to be wrong i really do because being wrong serves a whole bunch of purposes and being able to admit you're wrong really is where the magic is at because when you can admit you're wrong it kills the one thing that kills so many men pride you sequester your pride and it sequesters your ego when you can admit that you're wrong now it's gonna kill you inside you're gonna be irritated of course but what you 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 have to realize is that when you sequester your pride, your mind is open to every possibility on earth, and nothing else can get in your way but you. No doubt. And also, being wrong is the path to being right. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you know, I know I know I'll never be wrong at that again because I didn't react to it. Now, all of this is easier said than done, of course, right? And you know, it takes practice, but. 
that right there and just coming up with hustle tactics to learn you know my 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 uh, my tag or my my theme song is it's not even a theme song it's just my this is what i live by learn how to learn it's not just enough to learn you have to learn how to learn yeah right well, because there are so many ways to do something, but if you try to do something like everybody else, then that might not be that not, might not work for you. But if you figure out how to learn a different type of way, then it becomes custom to you, and then you flourish. So no I just deal with things in a different way than everybody else does, or I don't even know if everybody else deals with it that way. I just know how I do it, and it works for me. You do it in, in a more unique way than a lot of people do. Um, yeah, you're very you've got a, an emotional intelligence about it and you come you come at it in a very stoic way it sounds like where you're just able to just be in the moment let it go don't be in your feelings let 10 minutes pass those yeah, man, those you can't, I mean cuz life is going to bombard you with it all day of course of you course bombarded with foolishness all day but you said something that react to every little thing then I'm just a basket case yeah and nobody wants to be a basket case it don't even make no sense so and you also said something too. To, you, you, you know, like I said, I choose to look at the glass half full. Yeah. I look. I look to choose at the opportunity. I look to choose. I mean, I look and and choose. Hey, thank you for that. For you spewing your problems on me because for every problem you give me, I'm coming up with five solutions that I can put in my toolbox to use for later. Right. It's just a different way of thinking, man. And I just do it in ways that that really elevate everything that I do. And I'm happy. And it works for me. You also said something there too, DC, before where you talked about you're able to, you can still be depressed and keep moving forward. And I find that, in fact, if you are depressed or you're feeling anxieties, the best way to overcome those is to indeed keep moving forward. Sitting yeah, around and doing nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? People want attention. People want to be a, want to be a baby, right? You know what I mean. It feels good to, to to be babied and to be caressed and to be con, you know consoled. But you know, life don't care. Life gonna keep throwing it at you. So you better keep it moving. Yeah. The only way, hey, that is what I say. You know, there ain't no way around it. Ain't no way over it. Ain't no way under it. The only way to it is through it. There you go. And fight through it. Yeah. And you come out on the other side, like, and you just laugh because every time you do that, you know, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. But there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be things, you know, life is life. And like I said, and I have to say, this is my disclaimer. It is, it, it, it's always easier said than done. Right. I tell people all the time, I said, it will never, ever, ever get easy. It never gets easier, but it does get better. And that's the most you can hope for in life, right? Keep getting better and better and better and better and good things happen. Has and your you life gotten better the easy way? Has your life gotten better, DC, since the early 90s when things were unbelievably exciting for you? Looking, looking over the last 28 years, has your life continued to get better since then? Yeah. Because I'm still living. It's never too late, right? I could have became old and bitter the things that I went through, right? But just keep fighting. And you get smarter 
and you you develop this thing called experience and maturity and some people don't develop that right some people squander it some people become old and bitter some people just give up and that was never going to be me so like i said i take traumatic events and i flip them and i say that'll never happen again well you know 2000 i you know we were in a lawsuit you know we were in a 20-year lawsuit and i said okay i will never ever let somebody beat me out of my money again so i became a licensed commodities broker right passed a series three test and worked for three firms while i was djing at night because i wouldn't i had to learn about finance and you know it wasn't for me but sometimes we do things where there's a bigger picture and you know year 2000 i'm looking at cnbc i don't know anything they're talking about year 2002 i know everything they're talking about and i came up came up with a way that was for investing that wasn't gambling that required effort and work and and intelligence and i've always made money you know same thing we were in the lawsuit it was like i could have been just gave up came old and bitter like most artists, but I said, well, this, you're gonna get your day in court, so you better be ready. And I basically became a paralegal, mm. right? You know, if I'm gonna be in a lawsuit where two record companies <clears throat> is fighting over me, then let me learn what their tactics are. Let me learn what emotion is. Let me learn how you get a uh, trial in a district court. How do you do that? How do you put together your discovery? How do you do all these things, right? How do you build your case? It's basically what I did and did it very well. And then 15 years later, it was time to go to go to court. And I gave my lawyer a big box of discovery and they came up with five, six different ways for us to prevail because I put in that work because I could have just laid down and been like, okay, forget it. But I don't quit ever, ever. And all these things have served me so well throughout the years, you know, and you know, I, I had let up on the, well, the investor, I've always invested because it's been on, you know, wash, rinse, and repeat. But I was like, wait a minute. I did a podcast with a financial guy, a financial professor, right? Teach that at college. And it was such an incredible podcast because he couldn't believe that I was a licensed commodities broker. And we had a wonderful discussion. And I just realized, I'm like, why aren't you doing this? Well, because life, things happen. You can only do a certain amount of things at one time. But now it's time to revisit this. So now I'm back in the game. Now, you know, I've, I've got my portfolio spread out. I do a little crypto. I do a little Bitcoin. I do a little bit of, of uh, equities. I do a little bit of everything. And now I'm, I'm excited about things again, right? Because... There are just opportunities after opportunities after opportunities because of so many seeds that I have laid in my life. That's beautiful. Right? That's beautiful. And I, I've laid so many seeds. I stand before you in a forced opportunity unimaginable, right? Because I didn't see those seeds when I planted them as a quit pro quo, right? You don't do this and say, well, if this don't happen, I quit. You don't do that, right? There is no quit pro quo. You plant the seed and keep it moving play offense if LeBron shoots 30 shots and misses is he gonna quit no if he shoots 60 is he gonna quit no but then he's gonna make one two three and then he's gonna win six championships 
That's the game, right? You just you just can't quit. So, I mean, I've just I come from, you know, I I, I had a wonderful childhood. I worked. I've never never feared work. And if there's something I want to learn, I will put in the work to get it. If there's something I need to do, I will put in the work to get it. You know, and that's what I've done with tag team. I mean, I've worked 28 years on one song and and made a life for myself on one song. You've, so made, hard to do. you've made a life being a one-hit wonder. Basically. And I, you know, and what better one hit to have than that? So let's talk about that, uh, DC. Mm-hmm. Because I, how how in the early '90s does a duo like you and Steve sit down and write that song? What's the process? Take us behind the scenes. There is no process; it's just a song. I mean, think about it, man. You know, everybody thinks it's just thinks it was this Manhattan Project where we had on lab coats and we're trying to figure out formulas. And I know. It's about to, it's about guys chasing girls on a Saturday night, drinking, having fun, partying. The same thesis of every country song, blues song, rock and roll song, hip hop song, R and B song across the board. Is that simple? We just made a song. And but how? It was but how? Temple. Now, how do you write? The most strategic move we made was that we made hip hop, and we were down south, and down south you had to make bass music. So I knew that we couldn't get out of Southeast without making bass music. So we. Um, but how do you do it? I mean, what, what, how, what happened? Do you see how do you, when you guys sit down? Are you writing? You writing down some lyrics? He's writing down some lyrics. How did the beat evolve? Who who did all that? No, I just told him. I said, "Cause Steve made all the music." So I was like, "We got to make something up tempo." He's like, "I love that bass. I just don't know. How to, I can't. You know, it's hard for me to do." I was like, "Don't do it that way. Do it your way." Think Planet Rock and Egyptian Lover. Right, because that to me that's the essence of hip hop. So he did that, and I had tons of songs I just write, and one of them was "Whoop There It Is" because it was a party saying down south, and I just wrote the song. We did the song because we had hundreds of songs, but this is just a song we did. I took it to the club that night because I was working. I was a DJ of the clubs, and I got to play my own music in the clubs. And I dropped that cassette in, and to this day, it is the biggest response on any record I have ever had in my life. And I knew I had something, but my hubris was like, I could, anything I make is going to be a, a hit record, right? So I kind of shelved it for a while. But then I you know, came back again. I was like, I got something. And I played again. Same thing happened. One of the record reps was in the uh, audience. Uh, his name is Alan Cole from Columbia Records. He was like, what is that? And I was like, that's my new song, dog. He's like, give me that. I'm taking that to New York. Took it to New York. I get a call from Columbia Records. And I started getting calls from all the labels because I started hustling. But then they don't know what to do with it, so they're playing. And almost gave up. A lady named Lisa McCall told me to call a gentleman named Al Bill, who used to own Stax Records. And Al had put out Daisy Dukes the year before, which was a bass record. So I was like, that that might be right up our, our alley. So it took him about two weeks to call me back. And he called me, and I was like, look, dude, I got a hit record. Okay. I've tested it. I'm in the hottest club in the country. You got to sign us. And he was like, okay. And I was like, man, don't play with me, man. He's like, well, I was like, you ain't even heard the record. And to this day, I'll never forget these words. He said, brother, I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree and get this thing moving. 
And I gave my two weeks in Magic City, which was the club I was working at, signed a messed up record deal. And then a month and a half, tag team was platinum. And the rest is history. Well, let me ask you, uh, DC, let me just stop you here. Looking back at that moment in time, you truly believe, is there any possibility that Al Bell, the savvy man that he was, stacks records, music mogul, truly hadn't heard you guys? Or do you think maybe, just maybe, no, he, he did he have it? How do we know? I know he had Because he, he wasn't even thinking about it. There's no the, the way the guy from Mercury Records couldn't have potentially given him a no, little no, no, listen no, no, no. and him Lisa playing McCall with you. Worked. She was a record rep, right? And she she knew that I guess it was something in Billboard where he had did Daisy Dukes, and she knew I was trying to put out the the bass record with Daisy Dukes. Because if he had if he had known that that was my record, he would have called me off the rip, right? Think about it. Why why would it take two weeks for him to call? Well, because nobody, you guys were, you guys were, you guys had had no leverage at that point, so he didn't have to be rushing to call you. I just, no, I mean, just sometimes it takes that. I I don't look into it that deep. I just, I I know back then what I had, right? And I know every other record label was like, we don't know what to do with it, and I know mm -hmm. he was like, let's go. Yeah, and he hadn't even heard the record. Well, I, but when he told me that. I was like, okay, he heard the record, and we got, and and it was instant, right? And he put, he, he pressed up a whole bunch of stuff, and then just a whole bunch of series of things started happening because of the hustle, because of the work that we put in. Nineteen ninety three, the song, well, the song is amazing. I mean, listen, there's not many songs that go three decades and people still dance to it and play it at weddings and everything else today and all this stuff. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's it's definitely transcended uh, over time. 1993, it goes to the top number two spot on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm -hmm. What was that? I mean, take us back. What what was that period of time like for you personally? That had to be wild. I mean, you know, we, we have fun, but I've been a DJ all my life. I've always but been come a on, man. Right. Come on, you're, you're, you're number two on your number two on the Billboard Top 100. That had to be yeah, but, shocking. Okay, but I gotta explain it to you, right? See, I'm different. That's why. That's why I mean when I say I'm different. I didn't care about you know. Of course, you want to be a rock star. That's your dream and all that. But because I worked at the clubs, I watched all those stars come in the club. I remember I was in Atlanta at the beginning of the Renaissance in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta when Dion signed. I'm in Atlanta when you know Jermaine and Bobby Brown and. Uh, uh, LA and Babyface and all those get to town and make Atlanta what it is now. I was there at the beginning. So I know all these people. And I see all these stars and they start their labels and all these stars coming to the club every night because I got the hottest club in the city. And I watched how they treat people. Right? Not all of them, but some of them. And when stars become stars, they act like stars. And sometimes they treat the people that help them get where they are like crap. And I vowed that they would, that would never happen to me because I watched when their record wasn't hot no more, the same people they dissed revel in their demise. Mm. And those people never came back. Right? So when all this happened for me, it was, for me, it was more validation of all the hard work I put in. That's what the satisfaction was. All the other stuff was, you know, we, we're, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm a humble person. Because I recognize what this is. 
right? And I'm willing to put it into work, the work, but I don't have to have all the accolades. I don't have to have the star stuff. I don't have to have any of that. For me, it's just about the accomplishment of even, even being able to do it, right? I'm happy with that. So I've always been like that. And I vowed that if I had ever had a hit record, I will be the same DC that I was in the beginning that I am now. And I'm the same person, always been the same person. I'm approachable, anybody can call me, and it's all good. Back then, was it? were there a lot of people coming at you once you started becoming, once this song came out, did you become a lot more recognizable? No. You didn't. Because that's how you carry yourself, right? The song was always bigger than us, but I never wanted to be bigger than the song. See, that's an ego thing. Right. Well, no, but I'm just wondering if you became more recognizable just in general, being covered by the uh, different some, different publications just, and all that kind of stuff. When you say more recognizable, maybe, but you never you become felt more re recognizable how you carry yourself. You, right? you, you never flaunted it. I've never flaunted. I've always carried myself as a grown man, right? And I've never flaunted it. Even now, I'm on TV every day. This Geico commercial is is, is bigger than any anything we've ever done. And I still can walk into a mall and nobody knows who I am because of how I carry myself. No jewelry, no flash, just me. How did right? that how did that commercial come about? How how thirty years later does Geico reach out to you guys? Um actually it's one of those one of those events where two thousand eleven I get a call from a New York Times reporter, hey, listen, you seen the Gawker article? Everybody thinks Barack Obama's in your video. I'm like, What? So it just blows up. And I'm doing, now we're doing interviews with ABC, NBC, Stephen Colbert's show. We do a whole week of press. And at the end of that week, I had nothing to show for it. It pissed me off. And it was like, why didn't I have anything? Why don't I don't have anything to show for it because people couldn't find me because we didn't have a web presence. Right? That was kind of the beginning of social media. And, and I vowed that'll never happen again. So. That's what started my search engine optimization career, SEO, digital marketing, getting on the first page of Google, all of that. And I started that then. It was very hard. It was excruciating. It was brutal. But back then, you type in tag team, it was all wrestling. You type in tag team today, it's all tag team because of my efforts, right? And I get a call from my acting agent because I'm an actor with the People's Story Agency in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, Miss Lena's like, yo, you just booked a Geico commercial. I'm like, don't play with me. We're in the middle of a pandemic. This is September of 2020. And I'm like, don't play with me. I haven't even auditioned for a Geico commercial. She's like, no, DC, they want tag team. I was like, oh. And they, they went to the website, called my phone, tag team line, and the tag team line, I didn't answer, but they didn't wait. They went and found my IMDB portal found my agent talk about synergy I let my agent make the deal now I don't got to get lawyers or anything because they're my agent and it has turned out to be the most lucrative deal we have ever made in our lives how long is the deal how, how long does a deal like that last for how does that work three years it's three years will this yep. will this commercial so do they plan on playing this commercial for at least three years I mean you know they have been playing it it's about a year and a half now, but we shot another commercial. They gave us our own ice cream. And then there were about three or four things I can't even talk to you about because I'm under NDA. 
This is huge, dude. And that's like, some, that's something this is that work. This, this is what happens when you lay them seeds. Yeah, this is the you uh, play offense, and you don't worry about it, right? You can't be emotionally attached to it. You just keep playing offense, right? And you take advantage. You know, people people always look at me and say, you know, even my father way back in the day, oh boy, you just jack ball trades, master none, you know. And I never took that personal. It used to hurt my feelings a little bit. But what I realized is that you live long enough, hustle hard enough, learn how to learn that you become masterful in all those trades over time, right? And that's what has happened. And because I do things differently, I'm not just going to show up to a commercial. I'm going to prepare. I prepared a month for that Geico commercial. You know, I said I wanted to have about five or six things that I bring to the table that make it custom, right? To where people really remember us. And the producer and the director were cool with it. And, you know, I, we had a, a, a meeting the night before. I was like, yeah, I want to do, um, try to get a spin and scoop made, but couldn't find anybody to fabricate. Like, it'll be done tomorrow, D.C. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I know kids love sprinkles, but uh, we got to have a truck. We got to have so many sprinkles. Like, D.C., there'll be a truckload of sprinkles for you tomorrow. Anything else you want to do, we doing. And all those things are what make that commercial great if somebody to the spinning scoop to the dancing to the other actors to just the way it all came together yeah it's a it's a catchy commercial no doubt yeah you gotta take advantage you got any anything that happens to you you have to take advantage of so not only have i did did i do that but you know we you build relationships with people i build relationships with the, the ceo of uh the Martin Agency, which is the ad agency. I build relationship with all these producers. I build relationships with anyone who comes across my path because relationships are the most important thing. That's what gets you to the next thing, right? So all I do, because, you know, you have your traditionalists who say, DC, you can't do all of this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I can't do it all. But I sure enough can be prepared for it all. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I just shake my head because the very thing you just disapproved of, you now approved of, said differently because preparation is doing everything. It's doing everything in your power to be prepared for whatever comes your way. Mm -hmm. And only you see your vision, right? So if you don't prepare for it, that's your fault. That is nobody's fault. Nobody is going to give you anything. You have to go get it. And you have to be prepared when it falls in your lap. Because you never know when it's going to fall in your lap. And when I talk about those seeds, 28 years ago, I planted that seed. Whoop, there it is. And now that seed is a sequoia. It ain't going nowhere. Ever. Because of all the tools that I have, you know, all the tools that I have acquired, all the skill sets that I've acquired and worked hard at getting masterful at, to make sure that this is archived for the rest of time. See, people don't do that, right? There's a reason that people revere, you know, Shakespeare and Van Gogh and all those artists because somebody back in the day archived their stuff. Shakespeare's boy Roger might have been better than him, but his scrolls burnt down in the fire. You just you, you, nobody knows, right? So I choose to archive everything that we do. 
that's where SEO comes in because I do Wikipedia pages, I do Wikidata. I you know I know how to do schema JSON LG and how to build websites. So now I'm in the digital world and I get to put, I get to make a tag team museum. Mm-hmm. And now anytime somebody types in '90s tag team, old school hip hop, they're gonna find us because I archived everything that we've done and everything that we're doing. Life is life is unbelievable because if somebody would have told you guys back in '93 that almost 30 years later you're going to be involved in some insurance commercial that is going to probably be more lucrative than you could even imagine anything that you had done prior you tell them you're they're absolutely freaking crazy but like you but said you know, there, there were signs every year right every year well, there it is it's used in a movie theme song sure or, or television commercial yeah and you know I'm sitting in a movie theater and I'm looking at Will Ferrell dance on a table to whoop there it is an elf. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that we had an evergreen record. We had a forever hit record. Yeah. But back in 93 you didn't know in 93 you weren't sure where this was going. The hustle. You could never have yeah, We're playing double dutch. It was like is this the year it's going to end? Is this the year it's going to end? Right, exactly. It's going to end, right? Yeah. But once Elf came out, because that's Christmas, that's a hit Christmas movie is going to be played forever, every year. Yeah. Elf is going down the road of Jimmy Stewart and all those old Christmas, all them claymation Christmas specials. Boom, there it is, is in that league now. Because you're always going to remember that. Kids are always going to love that part of the movie. And then kids are going to correlate that with what they saw on Geico when they were babies. No Internet doubt. TikToks littered with babies dancing the scoop. There it is. <laughs> That's hilarious. And That's you know, why. it just came at the right time. You know, we had the right, we had the right thing at the right time in history. Yeah. Because yeah. people needed joy. People, people were tired. They needed something. One thing that we t- touched on earlier, and I'd like you to just dig into this a little bit before we get close to finishing up here, mm-hmm. is. I, I've been in the sports agent industry after I got got out of law school, and I've seen guys in, in sports. Um, you know, they're on top of the world for a short period of time, and then a lot of them struggle not only financially, but really more so. I'm talking emotionally after the after the bright lights are gone and the fans are stopped cheering their name, etc. Um, and again, I find I'm sure that this is common across the board in all industries, and of course, you guys lived it. Again, early to mid '90s. I know your ego wasn't there. You're on top of the world, but but you're still human. And as things have calmed down over the years, dig into that a little bit more. When you felt down and out, because I'm sure you have at times, how did you handle those moments so that you didn't let that one or two year of highs define you for the rest of your life? Keep it moving. Got to play offense. Got to keep learning. You gotta realize that it ain't over till you're not breathing, right? And you look back on your life and you just think, I missed this opportunity, or I could have did this, or I could have did that. But sometimes in life we're just not ready. And that's okay. Right? But you don't quit, you go back to it. Right? So my voiceover career, I I'm in, you know, ninety five, I'm in Walt Disney Studios teaching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap, cutting a record for Disney. And 
that started my voiceover career because the voices told me about voiceover and I was interested, but I was, well, there it is. So my mind wasn't there. And it, it, it bothered me for years because I was there. Mm-hmm. 1996, I'm sitting in the office of New Line Cinema with the president of New Line Cinema. And he's like, yo, I might cash you for this movie we're working on, working on the leads now between LL Cool J and Wesley Snipes. It's a vampire movie called Blade. I'm like, yeah, 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 just call, talk to my agent. I was there, right? But sometimes in life, we're just not ready. I didn't stop. Over the years, I kept going. I kept going back to it. Voiceover has saved me over and over again. Now I book voiceover constantly. I'm a working voice artist. And because I was a working voice artist, I end up becoming an actor because people like my face. And now I'm a working voiceover, a working actor. I'm, I'm, I've got four TV shows and five movies all coming out right now. I book constantly. And this and people, when I get on set, people don't even know that I'm me. This is on the strength of my mastery, what I've worked hard for, right? So I know that hard work, tenaciousness, steadfastness is the key. Because people's like, this is a song of tag team and redemption and coming from the ashes. No, I've been putting in this work for 28 years. I've always been hustling. I've always been learning. And it, you just, at the time, you don't think those things mean anything. You think sometimes that they're failures, but they're not. They come back to serve you in ways you could never imagine. That's why I say just keep playing offense. I just love keep it. working. Beautiful. Because it, 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 it comes around. And if you don't expect it, just be prepared for it. That's beautiful. And, you know, right now, I mean, I'm about to jump on a plane and go to New York for something. One of the biggest things that's ever happened to me. And you'll see it. And people, the whole world is going to see it. And they're going to be like, oh, my God. Right? And then I'm about to go to Chicago and do be in a parade for Disney. Then... I'm about to go to back to New York for the voiceover awards. Then I'm about to go back. I'm about to go to Philly to be in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Then we got shows. Then I got auditions. Right? Then I got TV shows coming out. Then we got... It, it don't stop. And this is not because I'm DC the Brain for Supreme Attack Team. This is because I put in the work. I know what my, I know what my value add is. Right? So I know... When an opportunity comes my way, whoever brings that opportunity is going to tell 10 other people and then they're going to give me opportunities. And then it mushrooms because I'm hustling. I play offense. It sounds like your father knew something about being jack of all trades. sounds like your dad knew something. Hey, man. I mean, because it all all becomes one. It, It fits in a big ball of what you are as custom, right? And I have to say no to a lot of stuff because it doesn't fit into what I'm doing. Right. And see, now, now I'm heavy. I'm heavy into crypto. Right. Because I can be my own entity and I can make NFTs that'll last a lifetime. But I can trade as well because of my because of my my skills. Mm -hmm. But then I could just buy what I know is right and hold it. I can do all kind of things. Right. There's so many things that I can do. And they all come back to serve me in ways because some, you know, I just got back from it's called NACA. National Association of Campus Activities because I want to understand how the speaking circuit works, right, with colleges. 
And now I'm about to be on college campuses talking to kids just like I'm talking to you, right? Because I know I can do it, but I'm, I, I had to find out how does this happen? How does a person get 100 shows a year, right? When I've done just as much as they have, if not more. And I had to figure that out and people have embraced me. And now the colleges are embracing me. And now I might do 10 lectures a year. And I'm not even going to do lectures. I might just be like, look, I'm DC the Brain Supreme. Ask me what you want to ask me. Because it's not about me. It's about y'all. What do you want to know? Because I have a, a, I have a lifetime of experiences. And I can relate to y'all because I am y'all. Last one for me. Um, give me your top five rappers of all time. So, let's see. Rakim, Pop, Biggie, Jay-Z, and uh, Rakim, Pop, Biggie, Jay-Z. One more. Nas. Hmm. Yep. I like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rakim, number one. Rakim, Biggie, Pop. Three, uh, Wait a second, you said Pac Biggie before, so which one's, who's the number two? I think Biggie number two, Pac number three. Number four is, uh... You said Jay-Z, you said Jay-Z four. Yeah, Jay-Z four, Nas five. Yeah. Hey, uh, I really appreciate this today. Online, anyone wants to connect with you, I don't know, website or social, and we'll link it in the show notes, but where can they find you? Hey man, DC Glenn ATL across the board. DC Glenn ATL across the board. There it is, folks. No pun intended. Oh Uh, yeah, before I go, man, I just want to thank you. Yeah. Let me come on your program and just run my mouth because I learn more from just talking. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I just I really appreciate you letting me talk to the people. And before we go, got one thing I gotta get off my chest. Sprinkle.